Since you are God's dear children, you must try to be like him. Your life must be controlled by love, just as Christ loved us and gave his life as a sweet-smelling sacrifice and offering that pleases God. Since you are God's people, it is not right that any matters of sexual immorality or indecency or greed should even be mentioned among you. Nor is it fitting for you to use language which is obscene, profane or vulgar. Rather, you should give thanks to God. You may be sure that no one who is immoral, indecent or greedy, for greed is a form of idolatry, will ever receive a share in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Do not let anyone deceive you with foolish words. It is because of these very things that God's anger will come upon those who do not obey him. So have nothing at all to do with such people. You yourselves used to be in darkness, but since you have become the Lord's people, you are in the light. So you must live like people who belong to the light. For it is the light that brings a rich harvest of every kind of goodness, righteousness and truth. Try to learn what pleases God. Have nothing to do with the worthless things that people do, things that belong to the darkness. Instead, bring them out to the light. It's really too shameful even to talk about the things they do in secret. And when all things are brought out to the light then their true nature is clearly revealed. For anything that is clearly revealed becomes light. And that is why it's said, Wake up, sleeper, and rise from death, and Christ will shine on you. So be careful how you live. Don't live like ignorant people, but like wise people. Make good use of every opportunity you have, because these are evil days. Don't be fools, then. But try to find out what the Lord wants you to do. Don't get drunk with wine, which will only ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with the words of psalms, hymns and sacred songs. Sing hymns and psalms to the Lord with praise in your hearts. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, always give thanks for everything to God the Father. Part of what it means for us to be made in the image of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, is that we have the capacity to love, because God is love. In fact, author James Smith would say that what constitutes our ultimate identities, what makes us who we are, the kind of people that we are, is what we love. More specifically, our identity is shaped by what we ultimately love or what we love as ultimate, what at the end of the day gives us a sense of meaning, purpose, understanding and orientation to our being in the world. God made us people who love. The question is, what do we love? What becomes the focus of that love that is part of the way in which we're made? There is a sense in which we become like what we love. We become what we desire. We are shaped and moulded into the pattern of what we worship. If we worship God, we become more like God as God fills more of our hearts and our minds 
and our desires and our beings. But if we worship pleasure or money or power or our own personal advancement or fulfillment, then to the extent to which we give priority to these things in our hearts, these desires will determine the kind of people that we become. So when you look at various people and consider what kind of people that they are, all sorts of factors contribute to their personality and character, but one key factor, one key influence is what do they love? What do they set their hearts on? There may be something about the way in which we are wired which means that loving is not an optional extra for us. We have to love something as beings made in the image of God who is love. But the focus of our love can be for good or bad for us and those around us. What we love can fill our hearts with goodness or what we love can reduce us to beings who crave nothing more than our own personal satisfaction. If we are what we love, what we desire, what we worship, the question is, what do you love? What do you desire? What do you worship? And what kind of person does that make you? In Ephesians 5, Paul calls the followers of Jesus to to live lives of love, love of God and love of others. And he clearly expects that should make a a difference to the kind of people that they are. There are lots of things he would not expect to find as characteristics of the people in the congregations to whom he wrote his letters. No immoral or indecent behaviour. No greed. No dirty, foolish or filthy jokes. Now, from the outside, some people read those words and think, well, does Paul have any sense of humour at all? Are we actually allowed to enjoy ourselves? Is there any sense of fun that we're allowed to have? The trouble with making a list of inappropriate behaviour is they always end up sounding a bit like some kind of killjoy. Yet what Paul has in his sights here is not behaviour which gets an X rating because it's enjoyable. All this is stuff which degrades people, ourselves and others treating people as sexual objects for our own gratification or as the butt of our jokes or taking more than our fair share because no one else matters as much as we do in our own eyes. Selfish behaviour leads us to treat other people who are made in the image of God with contempt or disrespect. And that has a negative effect on us as well because we're reduced to the level of beings that just lurch from trying to fulfil one craving or one desire after another. None of this has any place in God's kingdom or in his plan or blueprint for our lives. Anything that demeans or degrades us and others is not part of how God wants us to be, people made in his image. But if you are people who belong to God, you are people who belong to the light. And the qualities that should characterise your life are qualities like being good and honest and truthful. Things that we don't need to be ashamed about. Qualities in which, if we indulge desires for these things, don't lead to the kinds of behaviour we don't want other people to know about, particularly in church on a Sunday morning. Through Christ, the light of God's love is shining brightly in the world. 
And God invites us all to come out of darkness into his light so that we can see him as he really is, the God who made us and who loves us and who calls us into his kingdom, and so that in his light we can see ourselves as we really are, men and women made in his image, who are capable of living lives characterised by goodness and honesty and truthfulness. But there are times when the things in our lives of which we are ashamed send us back skulking into the shadows when we see the light of God shining because we want to conceal from him and from everyone else's gaze and sometimes from ourselves what lies hidden within. And one of the main factors that gives us confidence about coming into the light or which makes us retreat back under cover of darkness is the question of what we love. Do we love God? And does the love of God draw us into the light? Or do we love ourselves? And we prefer to stay in the darkness, away from his gaze. The only reason we get to love God is that at some point we catch a glimpse of how much he loves us, how much we mean to him, how valuable our lives are in his sight. Because God is not in to demeaning or diminishing us. His kingdom is not a place where he reigns supreme, surrounded by fawning, worthless serfs and plebs. As people made in his image, made to enjoy a relationship with God, people created to come into the light, God made us to share his reign. God wants to share his glory with us. God wants to welcome us into the divine family of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Because he made us to share himself with us in love. So the kingdom of God is a good place to be. Because if God reigns, then we are free. Free to make wise and right decisions that will bring lasting benefit to us and those around us. In short, free to love. And free to accept love in return. And in so doing, to find our true God-given identity in good relationships of love and trust and commitment. We don't need to hide away. God's love gives us confidence. God's love calls us out of darkness into light. Out of fear into confidence. Out of isolation into love. Out of selfishness into relationships. Out of death into life eternal. You could say that God's love calls us out of being actors in a sitcom into being actors in a movie. James Carey, in a recent article in Third Way, says there's one key difference between sitcoms and movies. In sitcoms, nobody changes. The characters never learn. Week after week, our favourite characters make the wrong choice, do the wrong things in a way that we can predict, though it's up to the writers to make the consequences of that both unpredictable and hilarious. I remember as a student, hiring a video of 40 Towers and watching, it must have been about four or five episodes of 40 Towers back to back. And he's right, the same things happen in every single episode. The same mistakes, the same jokes, the same things. And after about the third one, he started to think, actually, this is all so similar. This is the core of what sitcom is about. We had a guy from Singapore watching them with us. He said, why is this funny? (laughs) He's just so predictably stupid, he couldn't relate to it at all. The difference with the movie is that in movies people change. They go on a journey starting in one place thinking one thing and they end up in another place thinking another. Or they come home and realise it's always where they were meant to be 
but didn't know it at the time. And giving our lives to God is like being lifted out of a sitcom into a movie where we're no longer trapped into a same role that we can't escape from. It's allowing God to be the author of our lives and to change us and shape us and mould us into his image so that we realise our full potential as people created to be like God. Because life is for living right here, right now. God wants us to grow and develop and change from one degree of glory to another as we focus on him and make him the object of our desire and our worship. Sometimes people talk about the Christian faith as if the only thing that matters is about going to heaven when you die. And the trouble with that kind of representation of the faith is that everything here and now kind of loses significance. Feels a bit like you're waiting at a bus stop waiting for Jesus to come along in a bus and and take you to heaven, and and that's all there is to it. And you're afraid to to leave the bus stop and do anything else in case you miss the bus. But our lives here have significance. Right here, right now. We are not merely waiting for Jesus to come and fetch us and take us to be with him. Right here, right now, he calls us to live our lives every day in his service and to realise our full potential. Paul says, redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Find out what God wants you to do, and do it. Don't fritter your life away. There is stuff God wants you to do in his service. Rather than getting drunk to forget about reality, let the Spirit of God fill your heart and change reality by changing you. It's easy for us. It's strange. In the 21st century where we live amidst so much abundance of of, um, material prosperity, even though, you know, life life is harder than it has been for, for many of us, we still are way better off than the majority of the world's poor. But despite living in such an affluent society, it's easy for us to go through life being unhappy. Unhappy in our job, unhappy in our home, unhappy in our relationships. And sometimes changing those individual things can make a real difference to how we feel. But if the root problem is that we're unhappy in ourselves, switching job, moving home, jumping ship to be with somebody else, none of that makes any difference to who we are. Because the issue is who we are on the inside. And sometimes we've been shaped and moulded by so many negative experiences over the years, we just end up being miserable. But however much your life has been damaged or twisted or distorted by how you've lived or the choices you've made or how you've been treated, the basic blueprint that you were made in the image of God with the capacity to love remains. And the fuel for that love is the Holy Spirit. God filling your heart with God's presence so that he becomes the focus of your life. And as a result, you find a deeper fulfillment than would ever be possible if the focus of your life is merely on yourself. Sometimes we need God to pick us up, hold us close, keep us safe, and carry us where we are too scared to go ourselves. 
That's what the experience of having the Spirit of God filling your heart can be like. Taking away the fear, the inadequacy, the inability to think I could do something with my life. And for God to say, yes, I made you, I have a purpose for you, I want you to look beyond yourself, set your desires on God, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and see the difference that that makes. And when our lives are taken up into God's purposes, when we realise how important we are to God, how much God loves us, our response is one of worship, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and praising the Lord with all your heart. There's more to worship than singing, of course. But right from the word go, followers of Jesus have sung songs and hymns. Why? Why should worship be so much a part of the Christian faith? doesn't play such a big part in other religions in the world. Why are Christians so into singing? It's a valid question given that some people look at coming to church and think, oh, I couldn't go to church, I don't like singing hymns. Why do we put ourselves through this? And I reckon, you know, one of the reasons why Christians have always sung psalms, hymns and spiritual songs is that because God actually makes us happy. There's music that's appropriate to every shade of mood in which you find ourselves. Many of us will have listened to mournful music and maybe shed bucket loads of tears as we put on those sad songs. We tend to listen to music if we're sad. But if you join in singing, the odds are you're singing because you're happy and on the line. And Christians have always sung songs. Because the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, the joy that knowing you're loved by God, the joy that knowing your life has a purpose, the joy that knowing it has a happy ending, that has made a difference to who we are. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts, makes us happy, liberates us into joining the singing and to thanking God for everything. Paul says, give God thanks in everything. What do we have to thank God for? For making us who we are giving us the capacity to love, giving us people to love and people who love us back in return, giving us the freedom to live life to the full, enabling us to make the most of every single day here and now with the knowledge that there is a happy ending, the best is yet to come, our lives do end in heaven. Thanking God for staying at our side in the bad times, holding our hand in the darkness, bringing us back out into the light again, for knowing that we belong to him and he will never let us go. <clears throat> Recognising that that enables us to hold our heads high and be glad because we know in Christ God sets us free to be the best that we can be. Men and women made in his image to share his kingdom, to be changed from one degree of glory to another as we worship him and make him the focus of our desires and our longings. All of that is good reason to sing songs and thank God. All of that is one of the reasons why we worship here on a Sunday morning. It's not so these people can have something to do on a Sunday morning, leading the singing and playing instruments. Because in our worship we respond to God and we recognise that he is the greatest good that we have. And as we make him the object of our worship, him the object of our love, him the object of our desires, he changes us to be like him 
and far more than we could ever be without him. It's in his love and his purposes that our lives reach their full potential and in him that we rejoice because God is good. Amen.